You're listening to the Fit Mind, Fit Body podcast, where we explore the connection between a fit body and positive mental health. And our big mission, it's to help 10,000 runners to develop fitter minds in the next two years. I'm your host, Michelle Frost. Let's get moving. Welcome to this episode of the Fit Mind Fit Body Podcast. Today we talk to Susan Grover and she emigrated to Australia as a child. Since then, she has become a cartologist for the mining industry. And then she's also retrained as a physio and as a running coach. She discovered running about 13 years ago and like many of us, got quite carried away and excited about it. But that meant that she got injured a bit. And she was sick of seeing movement specialists who said to her, well, you you can't run for a while now. You'd have to stop running. The annoying thing for Susan was that they weren't runners themselves. So she went off, she retrained herself as a physio, and now she's passionate about helping runners to keep running. Enjoy. Today on Fit Mind, Fit Body, I am delighted to introduce you all to Susan Grover. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited, as I was explaining to you off the recording. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy talking to people that I haven't met before because we can unfold who you are and and all of that in this uh, environment, which may seem a bit odd, but um, (laughs) it is really fun to to get to know you in this way. So thank you for jumping on because it's not always the most... um, less stressful type of thing for some people to do some people yeah, don't like sure. it so, yeah. so appreciate that you putting your hand up yeah oh, thank you thanks for the invitation uh, looking forward to getting to know you too exciting <laughs> all right let's let's start at the way back where did you grow up, where did you grow up? I grew up in um great or a tiny town in the southeast of Ireland in County Kilkenny called Greg um I moved over here when I was 10 so long time, a long ago. time ago. We'll just say yesterday. <laughs> and um, yeah, so moved to WA with my family. Uh, spend most of my teens down in Mandurah, okay. which is about an hour south of Perth. Yeah. And um, yeah, have been bouncing around the place ever since. I lived in New South Wales for a while. Yeah. I met my ex-husband there. Um, he was from Germany, so I lived in Germany for a while. Oh wow. Yeah, and then about 14 years ago, we moved back to Perth. Um, so we're obviously now parted ways, but yeah, I'm still here and he's gone back to Germany. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. You've been all over the place. I have, yeah. And I still have lots of more traveling and wandering and exploring to do. So, but that that's the journey so far. <laughs> so you're, um, you still have a little bit of an accent considering you yeah. came here when you were 10. Yeah. I'm, I've always been a bit weird that way. I never really completely lost my accent. Mm-hmm. And um, I've just spent the last two months over Christmas and New Year's in Ireland as well. So it has actually refreshed a little <laughs> bit. So it's starting to, it comes comes back out. Um, and it depends on who I'm talking to as well. So if I'm with Irish people, it's full on, mm-hmm. you know, straight into the thick Irish accent. And when we're around all these then it kind of papers and the jargon starts creeping back in again. So yeah, you kind of adapt to whoever it is you're talking to really I love that it's kind of like being a chameleon my my father is British and he 
he still has a, I think he still has a little bit of an accent, but I know when I'm like in England or, and you know, around people who are sort of British, I, I also pick up maybe because I've always had him in my ear, you know, mm. I'm just always, I, I feel like a bit of a chameleon sometimes in yeah. that way. Yeah, you definitely do. And most people who have that um, background, either a parent who's from overseas mm. or, you know, they grew up over there and lived over here as kids, they, yeah, they, they definitely fall in and out of both ways of talking, I think. Yeah, it's kind at of least, fun. At least my family does it anyway. <laughs> so just out of interest, when you're in Ireland, do your friends and family there say, oh, you sound so Australian? Yeah, absolutely. Even though you think you're yeah. fitting right in. <laughs> Yeah, 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 absolutely. I get called a plastic patty all the time. So. <laughs> I've never heard that term. That's hilarious. I don't know. My cousins are jerks, but I love them. <laughs> I love it. All right. So I assume your family moved over here for work or your parents yes. did. Um, how many siblings yeah, do yeah. you have? I have two. I've uh, two sisters. So I have one older, one younger. So okay. I'm alone in the middle. Yeah. You're the middle child. Uh-oh. The middle child. <laughs> I have the all old. of the middle child's hang-ups. <laughs> awesome. I love that. That's a lot to unpack there. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember much of your schooling in Ireland? Um, I do. I remember a lot because they're, they're my formative memories, really. And there's because my family, we love to talk about the past a lot. Like we always love to tell our stories. Yeah. So you kind of keep your own past alive by retelling all of your favorite childhood mm-hmm. anecdotes and stories. So I do, I do remember a lot of it. And because I've been over and back so many times, sometimes you just wander through town and you go, do you remember that time when we did this? And do you remember that time when we did that? So there's lots of memories attached to locations and people and, you know, particular scenes and stuff that I did as a child. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it, yeah, it comes up a lot. I do. I remember a lot of it. Yeah. So, and do you remember any kind of culture shock when you did move to Australia? Oh, absolutely. I mean, for the accent, for one, and trying to get used to people ending their sentences as if they were asking a question was probably the weirdest thing. You know, when you were in Mandurah and everyone's like, and I went and did this on the weekend. And you're like, what is, is, is that a question? I'm not sure. What do you say? <laughs> you ask me something, you tell me something. That was weird. and um I think the whole idea of barbecues and bring a plate and you know because back in the late 80s early 90s everyone was like bring a plate bring a plate I don't think that happens quite so much as of what it used to but back then like you'd rock up with just a plate and people would be looking at you going what'd you bring to share and you're like like, were you hungry on the way over (laughs) say that you said bring a plate (laughs) but it was you know no, the one of the things I, I still remember, we, we talk about it a lot too, especially when you get that contrast of being in Ireland and then coming back to Australia, is how open everything feels. Okay. Like in Ireland, the, the cloud level, the cloud base level is really low. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like being here and we came out in, I think about August of 89. And um, I remember walking around my cousin's neighborhood because we stayed with them for a couple of weeks. And we were just wandering around and we're looking up at the sky and we're like, the sky is so big, it's so high, there's so much open air. (laughs) (laughs) Like over there, you've got rolling hills and mountains. So everything feels really closed in and small. And here it's like, oh my God, it's endless. (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. um, I haven't been to Ireland, although 
when I did my DNA thing, I'm very Irish. <laughs> so, yeah. In part, like so many Australians. Um, but in England, my husband always whinges about the clouds always being, you know, it just yeah, always feels like so it's drizzling. Well. And so I can understand that feeling like there's a blanket you know, on the on the yeah. sky. Yeah. And when you get to Australia, yeah. you know, I guess that's I that's a really good way to describe it, actually, that you did there. I like that. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. awesome. Um, <laughs> When you came to Australia, how did you find school? Did you make friends straight away? Um, Yeah, well, I guess I was always that little odd duck, you know. I mean, I had the double whammy of having this big, thick Irish accent, talking too fast, and then being a redhead. Um, It didn't set me up for a good foundation as a child in Australia. (laughs) Or it provided you lots of opportunity for growth. Oh, absolutely. You learn to grow thick skin pretty quick that's for sure wow. <laughs> but you know you got we got all the stereotypes of you know dumb irish joke inventions and you know <sighs> being a ginger and a ranga and i'm like what the what is that? You <laughs> talking about you saying <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was a lot of yeah it was a lot of um uh was the word a lot of jibing and you mm-hmm. know teasing and shit going on as it, when we were kids so it was it was yeah not very nice. <laughs> oh, I can apologize for those. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. No, but I was lucky. Um, first school I went to, I went to South Thornley Primary of all places for about three months. Yeah. And and then uh, we moved down to Mandra. So I ended up going to um, Assumption Catholic Primary School. Okay. And yeah, but right from the get-go, I fell in with a really good group of girls and I had okay. some really good friends, you yeah. know, and I'm still friends with them all these years later. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so I, was, I was lucky. I was very lucky. Um, I was kind of a pretty shy kid as well, so it took a lot for me to come out of my little shell. But I think I thrived here more so than I did maybe in Ireland as a kid because okay. I was so shy. I think coming here kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. quite a lot. And um, yeah, so I had to I had to learn to grow and adapt pretty quick, really. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And did you your sisters have the same experience? Like, did they are they redheads uh, as well? <laughs> yeah, we're all redheads. <laughs> Various shades of red, but yeah, we're oh. all redheads. Yeah, I think um, my older sister in particular, she was never going to have issues. Um, she's very sociable, and you know, mm-hmm. she always got along well with people. So, you know, she she. Um, I think she did a year in Cooden up high school and then ended up going to Colby College, which is in Rockingham, just up the road. But she never had issues. You know, she was a smart kid as well yeah. and hit a good group of people and, you know, kept her nose clean. And um, my little sister maybe struggled a little bit because she was only five when we came out here. And I think she, in terms of schooling, she was a little behind. Yeah. So she repeated a year, I think, in primary school. And then after that, she was fine. So, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, she's still friends with her childhood friends as well. Like, they've been friends since one of them, I think, or a couple of them since kindy or primary school or something. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah. So they've been friends a long time. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, at school, I suppose, well, can you remember sport at school in Ireland or no we don't really really have sport in school like I remember yeah we didn't really have anywhere near the opportunities over there as you do here Mm -hmm. like I remember doing like you know like the little gymnasticky type of Mm -hmm. sport things you know we had the balance beam and the horse that you had to crawl over and 
a little bit of tumbling and stuff. But any sport we did or had the opportunity to do was basically in the school ground, like playing Red Rover and okay. hide and seek and tag and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. um, there wasn't, I think the only structured sport we had maybe was soccer and camogie. Camogie is the girl's form of um, the Irish sport of hurling. So, um, but my, my dad refused to let us play camogie, so I didn't get to do that. Is it is there like throwing stuff? What is hurling? No, it's uh, it sounds like you're throwing something. It, yeah, hurling as uh, hurling is kind of like field hockey, but um, with the baseball bat, but not. Oh. But it it's hard to describe. It's it's one of the fastest field sports in the world, so it's kind of like. I feel like I've heard of it, but I can't picture. Yeah, it. Just... it's kind of like AFL, but with. Um, a very small leather ball and a big bat type stick like you have for hockey called a hurl and you have to run around with a ball balanced on the end of the hurl and then flick it up and hit it and and it's really fast and quite violent and it's awesome (laughs) (laughs) go google it you'll love it (laughs) i will google it I had an American yeah, lady yeah. on a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago, and she was talking about some sport over there that I'd never heard of as well. And I was like, oh, oh there you go. <laughs> never heard of. This is crazy. And I thought I was around some of these things, but obviously not. Um, so when you no, came to <laughs> when you came to Australia, what kind of sport did you find school was dishing up? Um, well, yeah, coming over here then. Oh, actually, no, I did do something. I did Irish dancing as a kid. So ah, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was yes. probably one of the few things I had access to. And I did a little bit of karate because, you know. <laughs> of course. Why not? Yeah. Um, uh, so that was fun. But I came over here then and I think my very first summer sport was t-ball, mm-hmm. um, you know, which I hated because I was shit at it. I have terrible hand-eye coordination as it turns out so I wouldn't have been good at camogie either <laughs> but um and then what else did I have a go at I had t-ball then I did netball I'd never played netball before but I quite enjoyed that um I had to go basketball and then netball again really but then you kind of get into high school and opportunities for sport other than what was in high school kind of dried mm. up a little bit Okay. You know, as teenage girls go through those awkward years of, oh, I don't want to sweat and look all, I never really was that type of girl. I, I, don't, I don't mind getting sweaty and dirty. So that was never an issue. Um, but probably year 11, year 12, because we didn't have any organized sport uh, as part of our curriculum. Um, we, we actually stood up and asked our, t- our principal if we could drop a double, uh, double a double year or double um what are they called double class every week so that we could have two hours of sport once a week so we all we all negotiated that because our our principal didn't believe in free periods so we all had to have a full plate of uh of of classes and because of that we because we never had any free time we didn't get to play sport so we're like well you know for our mental health and our physical health you're asking us to sit here for hours and hours every day you because he was really fit because you know that we need to be fit in order to have healthy minds so we want to play sport and they're like okay so we did (laughs) I love that that sounds like the argument that I try for everyone why they should run so that your mind will be more healthy yeah (laughs) it was was great I love it that's awesome And in year 12, I I swapped courses. I was doing like home economics and biology and chemistry and physics. And I hated biology. 
I had about three teachers in the space of a year and it just sucked. I just wasn't enjoying the course content at all. Um, so for year 12, I swapped to geography and sports science. So I ended up doing sports science, which meant I got to do golf. And I think we did weightlifting. And I think we did, uh, what else did we do? We did something else as well. But yeah. yeah, so I finally got a little bit of sport then in, in year 12 as well. By, doing by that. studying it, not because it was yeah. you know, physical yeah. education or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it was physical, basically. Yeah. But, yeah, we got to do support. And I think, yeah, we got to do a little bit of coaching and that kind of stuff too. So it was fun. Did they do um, running, like running carnivals and cross country? and? Oh, yeah, they did or... all that stuff too. But I, was, I wasn't exactly like a, a, you know, a prime athlete. You know, there was all the school carnivals and inter-school carnivals. But I think beyond year eight or year nine, I stopped qualifying for everything. <laughs> I, you know, everyone else got better, but I didn't. <laughs> can, can you remember what you thought about it? Like the running and the cross country and the carnival? Um, can you remember? Was yeah, it something you I wanted do. To I do? remember. It was funny. Like I, I had this conversation with a friend of mine, like she's one of my oldest friends um, out here. And I remember being a kid and getting to cross country and it was, what was it like a kilometer or two kilometers yeah. or something. Yeah. And I always tried to run the whole thing, um, even though I was not a runner and I was not practiced at it, but I just go slow and steady and totter along. And while everybody was sprinting off, you know, five minutes later, I'd come past going, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> You know, and they'd come sprinting past me again, and then 30 seconds later, they'd be dying, and I'd go, hey. <laughs> so I was always, I always tried to kind of run all across country, even though I never really ran. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That, yeah. that kind of, if you look, reflect on it now to what you do now, I believe, it kind of is like a sign of things to come. It you know, it yeah. those longer and distances you have to be able to. That's it. I still remember too, like all of the Olympics, my favorite, my favorite part of the Olympics every year was the marathon or every mm -hmm. four years was the marathon. Yeah. So I just watched, I watched the Olympic weightlifting and the marathon religiously every Olympics. Yeah. And even my, one of my friends said to me, she goes, you always said as a kid that you always wanted to run a marathon. So, you know, she's like, I can't believe you actually went and did it. Oh, well, well, we were just, yeah. Uh, we so just let it everyone was, it was know that you did actually run as an yeah. adult. <laughs> Not a runner, but I wanted to run a marathon. <laughs> I love that. I was really into that too, actually, when I reflect. With um, Robert D. Costello, I can remember him mm. watching him run a marathon like or win one of those. It was either Commonwealth Games or, or an Olympics when I was a kid. And I remember thinking, oh, that looks like so much fun, yeah. if that's the right word. But just being inspired by it, I was like, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and they make it look easy with their two and a bit hours, you know, and you're just going, oh, yeah, that's not that far. <laughs> that's right. And it is just one step in front of the other. How complicated can it be? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. Um, <laughs> so when you left school, what did you do? Tell us about your um, life So, after. yeah, so left school, I ended up going to, well, I went to uni, as most mm -hmm. kids do. Um, really took me a very long time to work out what it was I wanted to do. Yeah. So I started with medical imaging sciences, which was ultrasound and x-ray and all that yep. kind of jazz. And I hated it. I, I was absolutely on the wrong end of the medical spectrum. Wow. Um, and yeah, it was the first time in my life I ever even failed anything. <laughs> I, was like, oh. I suck at it. <laughs> well, I just couldn't engage with the content, you know. So 
I tried like to biology. I was just thinking, wouldn't have there been some clues that you didn't like biology either? And well, now you're trying to X-ray pe- people's biology. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, it was human biology, which was fine, um, but it was just it was way more physics. Than okay. I thought. And I actually like physics, but for some reason, I just this no, 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 it just wasn't for oh. me. It's like standing in a dark room and going press the button. Like, yeah. To move people around, press a button. So, no. no, and then <laughs> look at a gray, gray kind of uh, thing like, on the screen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I didn't actually because I wanted to help people, and then that was not an environment where okay. I was able to help people, so it just didn't work. So I eventually, got up the courage to tell my parents I was dropping out, um, <laughs> and then um, took six months off, and then I ended up going back and doing a degree in cartography, which is map making. Oh, that so, is quite different. Yeah. So you may recall in year 12, I swapped to doing geography. Yes. Turns out I really like geography, but I didn't want to be a teacher. So this was the compromise. So I went and did cartography instead. Wow. And what do you do with cartography Again, now? Um, well, world? these days, like they don't even call it cartography anymore. That, that, mm. that degree has kind of evolved into something called spatial sciences. So now these days it's called geographic information sciences. So you kind of work in a more digital environment, working with um, digital maps and Mm. and terrain modeling and everything is moved to kind of um, laser-based terrain model captures. So you've got either sky-based or terrestrial-based. And um, yeah, so a lot of it is just surface modeling. But so there's a huge demand for it in the mining sector in WA. And that's kind of where I ended up finding myself, really. My my husband has a degree in um, surveying with an honours in computing. And so yeah. he and it was one of, he was uh, an expert in GPS a thousand yeah. years ago. Yeah. We had a lot of crossover classes with the surveyor. Yeah, I was yeah. just thinking that. Um, yeah. Also in that vein, a cousin from England just uh, visited us last week and talked about an app called These Three Words or Those Three Words. Have mm-hmm. you heard of that? you know <laughs> it's it's a really cool app i might even put a link to it in the show notes because it what it somebody's laid out the world as a flat sort of thing and chopped the whole world up into three meter squares oh yeah and assigned every three meter square three random words so they're just i suppose an ai's done it or whatever but it's three random words so in some of those places where an address is quite bizarre you can just yeah. give them three like our our place though and there might be four or five different three meter squares. Obviously, most places we, we all live in a bigger space than three meter squares. But um, you can give you know three words, random words, and that'll yeah. just pinpoint a pinpoint exactly within three meters squared. Yeah. And I actually started thinking that was really cool when I was speaking to someone yesterday in Bali, where their address is quite hard to locate, even if you have it when you're there. Yeah. But if you had the three those three words for that three meter square square find it. get very close anyway yeah. this is really interesting okay so you yeah. little uh, divergence there you <laughs> you you were at uni and, and you became a cartographer and yeah. worked in the mine Mining, mines yeah. in West Australia so, by the sound of it yeah I worked with a, an aerial survey company to begin with so uh, they do the data capture and then they mm-hmm. you know, deliver this information to 
um, the mining companies we were contracting to. So um, did that for quite a while. And then I ended up moving to work for one of the mining companies as okay. well. So I was never actually a cartographer. I never really made maps, but I just yeah. managed and worked with the data that went behind it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I quite enjoyed it. I'm a bit of a tech geek for that reason. <laughs> I love I that. Like I'm a little bit like that too. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I find it cute, you know, especially you get young people trying to teach me how to do stuff on the computer and I'm like, going, have you tried doing it this way? And they're like, oh, I didn't know you could do that. I'm like, yeah. That's right. <laughs> oh, those are skills on the computer. <laughs> I feel sorry for you know, my, my kids have grown up with, um, you know, we were doing social media and online stuff since before Facebook. And yeah. so they've grown up with parents who actually knew what they were doing and, you know, <laughs> Correct. It's so, Correct. Um, you know, anyway, I think I yeah. talked to my son about TikTok before it became a big thing, <laughs> you know, for example, being relevant to right now. So anyway, it's a whole new world, isn't it? It is. So does that have you, <laughs> did that have you traveling around a lot in Western Australia working? Not really. I was or mostly city-based yeah I went out a couple of times with the survey crews to actually go and have a look at what they were doing out on site so um but that was about it so yeah they they didn't they invited me a couple of times to go and have a look and be like an offsider for them on a couple of soirees out into the bush yeah. um but yeah so but it was mostly yeah it was mostly city-based behind a desk my big monitors you know <laughs> pushing the mouse around pushing the mouse around yeah so <laughs> a lot of clean- do you still do, what do you do now? What's, what's so the path now, from there to now? Yeah, so now I'm a physio. Because <laughs> I was thinking, I didn't know that bit and I was fairly sure that you were in some sort of, um, <laughs> <laughs> I was quite surprised when you said, you know, something non-people related because I was pretty sure you were in a people related. Something. I am now, yeah. So, yeah, now I'm a physio. So I eight years ago I um. I got very tired of the whole corporate environment. Um, it became very toxic there for a while. You didn't know whether okay. or not you were going to survive the week. There yeah. were so many rounds of layoffs and all the rest of it. And it made it, you know, it, made it, it always makes it pretty difficult to find the will to go to work every day. Mm. If you don't know if you're even going to have a job by the end of the day. Wow. So um, I hummed and hawed for over a year, I think. I think I drove my entire family nuts <laughs> about what to do. <laughs> and then I finally made the decision to actually apply for and go back to school. So um, because I was such a shitty student the first time around, you know, that P equals degrees bullshit that they tell you, it's like, no, you actually can't have to do stuff. <laughs> but I didn't know that. <laughs> right? Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, yeah, it turns out physio is kind of hard to get into and um, you need a, a, a minimum academic requirement as a mature ager to go back. So I ended up, um, I went to Notre Dame. Notre Dame offer exercise and sports science and physiotherapy, but they also do a double degree of both. Oh, wow. And so physio is normally four years and then a double degree is five years. Yeah. But because I didn't have the qualifications to do physio, I went and did sports science anyway with the view to potentially just swapping over because mm-hmm. I, I had been told that that was a, a valid pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so I went in, did my first year of exercise sports science, fell in love with it. And then actually did, I did really well, but I actually applied to go and do the double degree then because I wanted to keep the sports science part. 
So I ended up doing that. So I did a double degree in exercise and sports science and physiotherapy. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. Well, yeah. I guess we should go back a tiny bit. What, why did you decide um, that physiotherapy slash sports science was a thing that you wanted to explore? If you, you came from, as you said, quite a professional and techie kind yeah. of environment for however long that was. And then, yeah, is they quite different? What was, yeah, yeah. what was the reasoning? Can you remember? Um, well, the reasoning, like I said, like when I first graduated or left school, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And I did want to do physio, but I didn't qualify then either. I didn't okay. get the ATEs more. I'd been really sick through year 11 and it, um, it turns out I had Crohn's disease. Oh, um, so I was anemic and I was falling asleep in class and I lost lots of weight and, um, you know, I scraped through high school. I did well enough to get into uni, but not enough to do what I really wanted to do. Yeah. And like I said, not the best student anyway. <laughs> I, you know, I went through the entirety of high school having not learned how to study. So, you know, still my biggest critique of high school, teach kids to actually learn. Anyway. I, I digress. Um, so I wanted to do physio, but I didn't get the marks for it. Did ended up doing what I did. I met my husband. Um, moved to Germany. I actually taught English over there for a while. Oh, then wow. came back, got back into the spatial sciences part, and then just after we got back, we got into running, and that's where my running journey started oh. coming in. So I have a friend of mine, or well, he's practically family um, from my hometown. He'd gotten into running and he'd run a couple of marathons and he's an amazing storyteller. So he used to regale us with all of these stories. He's Irish. Are you not all, sorry Absolutely to interrupt. Are he's you not all stories? Yeah. Yeah. So he's You're all storytellers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but he was hilarious. So he tells about all about his running adventures and he just made it sound so amazing. So we're like, bugger it, let's go do it. So my ex got into it first and then I got jealous and then I started coming along and so began the actual running journey. Wow. <laughs> so how long ago was that? If we were that was wrong. 2010. So it's like 13 years ago. Yeah. 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 So being a newbie runner, having never really run more than, you know, a K or two in cross country in high school, um, I got all of the newbie runner injuries. I got Achilles yeah. tendinopathies. I got Morton's neuroma, you know, rolled ankles, you name it, I had it. And the vast majority of approach by the physios that I was going to see was stop running, no running for four weeks. Yeah. And if when you're a runner and somebody tells you that you can't run, like, for, mm -hmm. yeah, mental health, I was like, going, no. <laughs> I'll give you two weeks. <laughs> That's why on the podcast, we often have a question around, you know, what do you, your identity and identity question. Like, and if you're, you consider yourself a runner and then you can't run for a while. How do yeah. you deal with that? You know, and that's sort of really what you're talking about. Yeah, it about is. There. It becomes it becomes quite dangerous to people who do rely on it for their mental mm, health. Exactly. So anyway, so that is really what catalyzed my my want to go and become a physio because I was also meeting all of these people who were, you know, these movement specialists but didn't run themselves. Yeah. You know, or you tell them that you're all oh, I've got a marathon in four weeks, you know, can I will I be mm. able to run? And they're looking at you going, How far is that? <laughs> The, a like, 5k marathon that's it. So it's, like, it's a 5k marathon like no. <laughs> so um 
and that the whole not running thing was just not an option so I was like there has to be a better way of doing this um so yeah so I wanted to go back and study and become a physio who could talk to runners and not say why would you do that to yourself (laughs) I love that yeah so that that was it really that was that was the main reason (laughs) you wanted to become a part of the solution that's it I wanted to be an empathetic shoulder to the crazies (laughs) they're not crazy (laughs) (laughs) well you know what I mean you otherwise would be (laughs) um I I can remember you know back when I started running as an adult in my 20s and just becoming an evangelist for it like and, yeah. and in my head I, I just and still obviously I'm doing a podcast now in my 50s and I still don't understand why people don't just run it's weird yeah, exactly, um, right? I still feel like an evangelist and at the time when I was becoming you know this evangelist runner my mother had um just completed her um therapy degree so she became a therapist an art therapist but I was completely convinced that actually they didn't need art anybody with mental health problems they just need to go for a run (laughs) and actually still believe that although art is good too it's a good medium don't get me wrong they could do both um so so i do i do understand that and and i can remember running thinking there must be just like that's what you were saying that with the physiotherapy that there's got to be you know better ways to introduce it to people so that it becomes like brushing your teeth for me in, in this sort of vein. But I love that you, you know, you weren't just going to go into a physiotherapy's a therapist's office and just accept that they said, you know, well, how far is a marathon even? And, you know, do you yeah. really, yeah, no, no, you can't. <laughs> Instead, you know, you, you open the question why, and then you go and take responsibility even, that's probably a better word for the the why you know finding out yourself not just accepting what another person who doesn't have your experience yeah exactly exactly you know and you nobody knows their own body like you know you do so you know when you have professional people telling you all right well we understand the physiology of it but not necessarily how your body is going to respond to treatment as well it's Mm. sometimes you need to take a little bit of personal responsibility to know when you Mm. can and when you can't you know and my even now I find my role isn't about telling people not to it's about telling helping them find out what they can do Mm. um, that provides enough stimulus to provoke a healing or a, a a um what's the word yeah healing really depending mm-hmm. on what they've done mm-hmm. but without stopping them entirely from doing yeah. what it is that they enjoy doing yeah. uh, and there's very few things that you can't run through you know yes. at least in a small amount anyway the pod number one the podcast is full of people saying the doctor told me I'd never run again yeah um clue they're on a podcast about running <laughs> they kept running or they they got over the injury or whatever it was yeah um and the other thing that I often think about on the podcast when we have these conversations is the fact that we're a whole, we're ho- it's very holistic, like our bodies. And as you said, we're individuals, but we do, we still don't know just how much effect this, you know, our brain has. So some people will hear from the doctor, you can't run again. And that's it. They actually never will. Or somebody said to them a long time ago, your knees weren't made to run. You'll, you'll never run. And they really believe it. It's drilled into their brain. Whereas, you know, they might come and see someone like you and they've got an injury that um, may not be (laughs) very easy to treat, but actually 
a big portion. I don't know what the percentage is, and I don't think anybody does yet, <laughs> or whether we ever will. Um, yeah. Is in what's going on in their head as to how they will be able to recover from whatever that injury is. Yeah, I mean, we see that all the time, especially in the medical field. It's like we wouldn't have this idea of a placebo effect if the placebo effect didn't actually work. Exactly. So there, there is absolutely a mind over matter um, in terms of what you tell yourself and how your body responds to that. So you can either facilitate or you can debilitate depending on what you believe. I love that. That's um, a great saying. You should put that in little quotes. <laughs> I will. I'm full of those. <laughs> TM. <laughs> I love that. Well done. You know, we see it all the time in terms of people's response to medical treatments or, you know, a placebo treatment mm. um, or, you know, there's so many times when you talk to or about or I've heard I, and there's some people I know this has happened to directly, like family members have been given a terminal diagnosis and, mm. you know, they may have been given six to six months to a year and they're dead inside of six months, whereas somebody with exactly the same diagnosis same prognosis and three years later they're still kicking because they just refuse to give in so it, yeah. it really does come down a lot of the time to how you want that fight to go so if you put the work in if you put the have the belief that your body can and does respond I mean I don't expect miracles from people either and I don't mm -hmm. certainly don't promise them but I hate this idea of telling someone that they can or will never be able to do something because I just mm -hmm. don't believe that and I think it's entirely up to them to decide what they want to believe in terms of what their outcomes will be. Mm. Um, because I don't know how their bodies are going to respond. I don't know what kind of work they're going to put into themselves. And I'm certainly not going to hold them back from at least trying. Yeah, uh, and if it that. works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But mm. it doesn't mean that we can't explore those options first. I mean, the world is full of inspirational stories of, you know, people with two arms who climb a mountain. Yeah. Like that's true. <laughs> you just think what? Yeah, and on exactly. the surface, you think, how on earth? <laughs> yeah, but it's happened. You know, oh, and absolutely. And I mean, I, I get to I get to work with one of those people on a regular basis now. One of the girls I coach, um, she had a tumor on her spine several years ago and was told that she would be lucky to walk again, <laughs> let alone, and she would never run again. And she just finished Delirious 200 miler and is going no on way. to do the Triple Crown this year. Oh, my so. Lord. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy anyway. <laughs> it Irrelevant crazy. all the other free story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and she, she's a constant source of inspiration to me oh, because awesome. she's just the happiest person because yeah. she's just given the second lease on life. And yep. she's just not letting a moment go by. And I'm I like, yeah, you go, girl. <laughs> we can learn so much, can't we, from people who... Absolutely. You show the way like that. That's incredible. All right. Um, yeah. Back a little bit to your story. It sounds like you started running before you quit the um, cartography, which wasn't cartography yes. kind of job. Uh, and it got very stressful there. Did you find that running was helpful to deal with some of that stress during that period? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I, before I started running, I was that typical desk worker who would have the noddies by, you know, two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And, you know, be like, give me the coffee, give me the chocolate. I need to stay awake. And yeah. it's not that my job then was terribly stressful. I actually really enjoyed it, but um, it was very mentally intensive mm -hmm. because it was a lot of concentration. Yeah. Um, and 
I'd always been active in my 20s. And then when we came back from Germany, I just, re I wasn't really in any kind of habit of exercising. Mm -hmm. um, and I put on quite a bit of weight and I was very uncomfortable. So for mm -hmm. all of the reasons that most people start, that's why I started. Yeah. So like, I started with a boot camp, you know, and just to give me a kickstart as a, as a you know, pre-30th birthday present. And then um, after I turned 30, then I actually started running because, you know, our friend, you know, our friend was running and we started running with the West Australia Marathon Club um, yeah. here in Perth. And um, that's when that journey kind of began, really. But yeah, it definitely helped. I, I you know, the more I did, the more I, energy I found I had. Mm -hmm. um, the clearer I became, like I, well, I stopped having those afternoon nodsies, uh, which yeah. I found you know incredible I'm like how is it that I'm doing exercise but yet I have more energy like what is this is this a kind of magic <laughs> it's it doesn't seem to make sense on, no, on scale it does it <laughs> no it doesn't you know you've been up at six o'clock in the morning you're gone for an hour run and then you know by three o'clock you're feeling great <laughs> yeah and you don't need to have that chocolate bar necessarily or whatever exactly, the coffee you like. know yeah and you close start feeling a little bit better and you feel better about yourself yeah. and yeah, so I, it definitely helps. Um, I think about six months after I started running, I decided I wanted to run my first marathon as well. So inside of a year of running, I actually did. So I ran the Perth Marathon back wow. in 2011. And it, I just, it did teach me so much about resilience, about dedication to training, uh, about how routine based I was I hadn't mm -hmm. realized how much how important it was for me to have a regular routine to function mm -hmm. well yeah. as an adult I didn't I thought I'd be bored with routine but it turns mm -hmm. out I'm boringly boring well, it actually <laughs> like, gives you more freedom that's what I often does. say yeah like if you yeah. plan you actually get more freedom if you plan you time. do and I, I was definitely fitting a whole lot more into my day um by having a regular routine of training and working and socializing mm -hmm. so yeah. you know there was a nice balance I had a really good balance there for quite a long time um yeah but it was really it really gave me the confidence to actually go back and study as well I, and mm, I really found even during study um, that, you know, when you have those moments where you feel completely overwhelmed, you've got mm -hmm. so much to do and physio is a really full on course, you know, you've got at least 20 hours of contact every week mm -hmm. and then study on top of that. And for a lot of the kids, they were working as well. I had the luxury of not having to work, yeah. um, but I don't know how I could have squeezed that into my life. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was, it was full on. Well, you definitely have those moments where you feel completely overwhelmed. You've got 15 assignments to do. You've got two weeks to get it all done before your exam start. You haven't even started studying yet. And you're just going, oh. and it was literally moments where I would just sit down or just gather myself, refocus, and just think about the resilience that I had to be able to dedicate myself to my training to push myself through a marathon or an ultra marathon because I'd done a few ultras by that stage as well and yeah I just was able to dig deeper into you know this this mental fortitude that I developed that I otherwise probably wouldn't have had or definitely wouldn't have had and I would have I would have crumbled you That's know I would have definitely fallen apart <laughs> 
go running. It's like a yeah. super panacea for everything. It really was. It really is, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of self-reliance and a lot of resilience in me now that I never had in my in my early in my 20s and even early 30s. Wow. Yeah. A, a lot of people on the podcast have talked about that, especially when they've put the, pushed themselves to those distances of a marathon and beyond yeah. and how it gives them a level of, you know, self-esteem or um, self-efficacy, if you like, yeah, that they, they can now um, achieve yeah. anything, um, yeah. that they put their mind to it if they really want to do it. And I just think, I think that's so. such a powerful thing. Yeah, I think it definitely translates into your regular life in terms of giving you, like you said, that self-efficacy of being able to say, you know what, I've done this, I can do this too. <laughs> I love it. Um, so obviously you haven't really stopped running through all that. So you've been through change of careers, literally going to university for four or five years. You yeah. also had a divorce in there, which is not one of the more pleasant things, having no. had one myself in my life. Um but running stayed with you through that entire time and I assume been quite helpful, as you just said, it was really helpful for the study. Um, but I yeah, assume it supported yeah. you in other ways during that time too. Yeah, so I had I had a bit of a shit year last year in particular. Um, so my marriage ended um, about a year ago, um, mm -hmm. but my dad had passed away a few months before that. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was reeling from that already. And then... Yeah. I also had the confounding factors of both of my sisters moving away. So one's now oh. over in Queensland and the other one has actually moved back to Ireland. And oh, wow. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big move. <laughs> it was, it was oh. a big move. But yeah. So it was a lot for me in particular having, you know, uh, you know my mum with mom went with my younger sister as well. So oh, she was wow. over there for about seven months. Yeah. Um, after my ex and I split, I sent him home to go and, with his family because he hadn't been yeah. home for since pre-covid times yeah and then he came back he was like i'm moving back to germany and i'm like okay okay <laughs> you know, three weeks after he got back he, he moved home again Aww. so all of a sudden for like the first time in nearly 20 years i was completely by myself you didn't have all that sort of normal family support <laughs> around either. yeah yeah i mean i i have cousins down here but i didn't have my immediate family around me yeah. Um, so, but I kept running and kept lifting heavy things through all of that. And then, um, I took a little bit of time out, went to spend a couple of weeks in Queensland and it had been rolling through my mind for a long time that I wanted to hike the bib track, the Bibbulmun track. Mm -hmm. So I kind of made that decision while I was there that when I came back, I was going to squeeze it because I worked for myself. I was only working four days a week. I was going to squeeze it in on my weekends. Yeah. So starting around the beginning of September, I did three-day hikes almost every weekend right up until just before I went back to Ireland in December. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I put aside 10 days towards the end where I was going to do the last 350Ks, which is strangely enough, the delirious West course. Mm. Um, I didn't quite get there. I got about 200Ks in and then the wheels fell off. But, oh. you know, it probably worked out for the best because um, it's, yeah, it was a beast. <laughs> it was already a beast. And I had so much to do at home. I just, I would have been dead. Yeah. <laughs> I think I would have had to, a day to come back, do my laundry, pack my suitcase and then Get jump the on the bike. Yeah. So it was never going to be a good idea. Mm. Um, but yeah, so the hiking really kind of took over the end of last year for me. I did a lot of hiking in Ireland with my mum when I went over, yeah. uh, which was really nice. So I'm just starting to get back into running mm. again. 
But thankfully, I do have a really nice aerobic endurance base in there. It's just trying to remind my body now that it likes to run. So, yeah. The, um, the hiking. The hiking. It sounds like you took a tent and you were, it was a, yeah. like they were three day, because I we do a lot of that here in Tasmania where I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. Three day hiking quite a bit. Anyway, so I can picture it. I can see it in my head what it was like, but that's amazing. So, you did you find that time out in the bush on the trail um, quite cathartic, like a time for you to deal with everything that had gone on through for the definitely, year? Definitely, definitely. Um, I kind of, I, I wrote, I've written a couple of blogs about it on my Facebook page as well. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways, I was using it as a bit of a, a, a a time out for myself I wasn't really ready to deal with a lot of the social issues around being single (laughs) for the first time in 18 years um and then being alone so much at home as well I you know so I was trying to come to terms with the social isolation of being by myself but on my own terms yeah and not being so much of an emotional burden on my family and friends, which I now realize was stupid and I should have actually spent more time with them too. (laughs) But in the moment it was catharsis for me mentally, but also physically Mm -hmm. Um, through all of the stress, I really hadn't been moving much either. And I felt like shit. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. So it was a way for me to get that baseline fitness back as Mm. well as be with my own thoughts, work my way through it and try and get my sense of resilience back. Cause I really mm. was starting to feel like I was losing it. Like that, yeah. that self assured, not self assuredness, but that self awareness and that, that um, motivation to just be on top of what m- my life, I wanted my life to be. Yeah. So, you know, to have, that routine to have that discipline to commit to routine and to training and to do all of the things I know that I can do and have done but I kind of lost it there somewhere in the middle so this was like my short kind of short circuit reboot to get back on track short circuit but quite intense I would think so really intense at times yeah (laughs) three three days but um it's funny though because on reflection well I don't know if you think this but if I was you and I was reflecting on being you um I was which I cannot do, <laughs> by the way. But um, when I went through a divorce, for example, I ran more. And my oh, mum, yeah. who's the therapist, said, um, what are you running away from? <laughs> it's like, so it affects us in, in different ways. But I wondered uh, whether if you'd, whether it was setting a goal of a big race or something, or if you'd, to keep you motivated, if you'd kept running through some of those, you know, the earlier times, like your dad passing and things like that, mm. whether it would have helped or not. I mean, I don't know, but just on reflection, sometimes you wonder, yeah. was there a space well, for that in there? And would it have given you time to, to deal with it as those things were happening? Or did you need to maybe take that break? I mean, everyone's different. I think I needed to take a break because it, it was a double-edged sword. And the thing is, I'd only just come back to running as well when my dad passed, but yeah. Here's the rub. <laughs> Dad passed away while I was in the middle of a race. So I was over in South Australia doing the highest in 50K. And then I yeah. found out with that. So it, to, be, to be honest, like running all of a sudden became something traumatic. Yeah. yeah. So 
You know what I mean? So there, there was this negative reinforcement there for a little while that I had to just kind of work my way through again. Mm. Um, and it was, it's not the first time it happened. I'd had a hip injury as well. And every time I ran, it was painful. Yeah. And while I was studying, finally went to my friend who's a physio and she sorted me out and got me back running again. But this was the second time it had happened to me that something yeah. really negative had happened in the middle of around a run so I, I just needed to take a step back yeah. and kind of refocus so getting into the hiking at least was a soft launch to get back into running I love that I love <laughs> the because yeah. <laughs> I, I mean I love hiking as well so to me that was it sounds like a perfect plan yeah. and and there is no perfect and what's happened has happened and no. all of no. that it's just interesting sometimes to reflect um on why we do what we do and and yeah. you know and how we're going to learn from it as we go forward. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, I had enough insight to know that I just needed to take a break, but yeah. I hadn't intended on taking that long a break. <laughs> oh, well, look so, at you now. What, you know, what's your goals now? It is, it it is um, goals this year is just try and get back to a bit more consistency, but there is a wonderful event over here uh, called the Waters Trail and Foot or WTF to us locals. Yes. Um, and I've been involved with it every year since its inception back in 2013. Um, nice. Our wonderful ultra running grandfather, our, our godfather's over here. I won't call him grandfather because he's not much older than me. Um, <laughs> in Dave Kennedy is one of his wonderful races. Um, and so that is a 50 miler or a hundred miler. Yep. And last week he introduced a 50 K. Um, so I want to try and get and do the 50 K with that. Cause I normally run the finish line every year. Yep. Um, this year I want to do the 50 K for that one. And then, um, yeah. And then I'll hang out at the finish line and cheer everybody else on. Like I normally do. <laughs> so yeah. when is, when is that? That's in September. It'll be the September long weekend. Yeah. So I've got give myself plenty of time to try and find some consistency and yeah, I'll probably try and pick a couple of smaller goals along the way. Um, yeah. But like I, I've come back into just a whirlwind of stuff to do after yeah. coming back from Ireland. So I barely even had time to breathe yet, <laughs> let alone work out what races I can do and can't do. So we'll see. <laughs> what will consistency look like for you? Um, consistency for me is back running three to four times a week to start with. Mm -hmm. And uh, being in the gym at least twice a week as well. Okay. Um, yeah, heavy strength training is one of the core principles of um, how I run my physio practice. Yeah. And I run strength training classes for our trail and ultra runners over here as well. So do you and, do them in um, person or are they are you yes. online? Yeah, person? yeah. So, well, I do, I do programming for some people um, who can't get to see me who are either clients or they're athletes I coach um or I, I do run in-person classes here as well so yeah. okay awesome yeah, so, that's one of yeah, my downfalls as a runner is the strength side like yeah just it is for most of them either don't know where to start or I'll start it and then I'll be like oh this is yeah. really boring now and then weeks into it no, yeah, I'm not exactly. enjoying this and this is too hard I'm, I'll just go for a run <laughs> <laughs> but you know we got plenty of evidence to know especially as we start getting older that it becomes more and more I know more strong, so, I went about yeah. it more and more on the podcast I need to start doing it <laughs> <laughs> one of the days one of the, that's why talking to people like you is really good for me so thank you yeah 
Yeah, well, I, you know, I like to give the lectures about, you know, the importance of doing all that stuff. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Which is good. I mean, I've, I've had plenty of um, examples, even in the last few years, of how beneficial it's been for people um, yeah. who are injury prone in particular. Yeah. Getting them to a point where they stop getting injured and then they can mm -hmm. actually progress on the running the way they really want to. So it's been it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. Even I think like oh, counseling session for me when I did my fastest marathon back in 2013. So I was in my 40s. Um, I was going to the gym a lot, yeah. and yeah. so I have that historical thing. But like you, two weeks after that, I had a stroke. Yeah. And I and it, I connected even now, even though I may or may not have been related. It was only a minor stroke and didn't interrupt my life at all. So whatever. Yeah. But it, it is scary. still a, a thing. Yeah. And you think, mm. um, was it because I was pushing myself so much doing my normal? I was had already run plenty of marathons by then, but the, mm. the regular strength training in the gym for, say, four months prior yeah. um, was the only difference. And so that like you that with a um, little bit Negative of trauma around it I'm like yeah, mm, yeah. maybe that's why I'm not very good at sticking to it so I need an excuse <laughs> why am I not very good at sticking to strength slash gym work I don't know anyway well I mean that's the thing I mean do, do they know what caused your your mild stroke no. don't know yeah. so I mean you may have just been one of the unlucky ones you know if mm -hmm. it was an ischemic stroke or an obstructive stroke it's just you know, was it a small yeah. brain bleed or, you know, um, so unless you have underlying health factors like high blood pressure, then no. I'm like middle of the road, yeah. healthy, like just everything in my yeah. life is middle of the road. Yep. That's exactly what it should middle be. Middle of the road. That's all right. Being oh, average is perfect. Just average. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with being average. <laughs> Except that I run a podcast. In fact, it's a safe place to be. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's a very safe place to be. I like but it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's 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 just shit luck, really. Yep. <laughs> so I just need to, it's, so, it's a thing absolutely. that I need, to, I need to deal with in my brain, I think, to make me become more consistent. Because elements of it I enjoy, like the gym stuff yeah. or the, the strength stuff. And there's other yeah. elements that I don't, so... I just need yeah. to get over the fact that I do things to do things that you don't enjoy, which is actually we talk about on the podcast a bit, you know, get used to being, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah, what distance running sure. really is about. And if, in fact, just straight out running for many people is uncomfortable. Exactly. One of my friends, um, you know, he's an incredibly talented runner, but he hates running. Yeah. you know um so we have these conversations all the time and you know he 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 won delirious last year um well. and um but anyone who knows him knows that he'll always come through aid stations and even for sorry my battery's about to die my laptop um and he will bitch and moan about how much he hates running and this sucks and like why am I doing this and who does it why does everyone do this but yeah he's ridiculously talented at it it's like it's I crazy. hate so much I love running and I'm shit at it <laughs> can we swap my my husband was a, an elite rower and so running was there 
the thing that they did in the off season and they're all, you know, full of testosterone, young men. Yeah. And so it was never an, a fun experience. It was like throw up kind of running that kind of speed yeah. every time. Yeah. So he runs with me, but he's, there's an episode on the podcast and it's called the reluctant runner. Cause he's a bit like, <laughs> he's not like, yeah. because it's all connected to this experience of, you know, traumatizing. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. But, um, <laughs> so I totally understand that. Um, <laughs> With your running, do you prefer to run on the trails or on the road? Definitely trails. Love trails. I'm probably a better road runner than I am a trail runner, <laughs> to be fair, but um, I love the trails. <laughs> um, I love being out there. I love, you know, the salt and the sweat and the, the backpack chafe and um, you know, I'm really pale as well. So, you know, 50 million layers of sun cream and but I love it I love being under the trees and I love the gravel under my feet and I love that you can run for hours and hours and it feels like five minutes sometimes you know so you get so wrapped up in being present in the moment that you yeah. you know you literally lose hours out there and I love that yeah and that yeah that's ideal really isn't it that's what a lot of the things I talk about is that being trying to be more mindful and yeah. being more present and in the moment I think yeah. trail running in particular leads yeah. leads you to that i think there's a whole bunch of studies you know like the tree tree bathing i think it's in japan it's yeah. called um about why they're getting out in nature is um so beneficial for us when we're trying to elicit those experiences for ourselves and to be able to be more present definitely yeah yeah there's a lot, a lot of research around how um affected we are by nature so you know, for people who are finding it difficult to be grounded or difficult to to find that um, present, being present in their own lives, I think, yeah, I think everyone can benefit from getting out and sitting under a tree for a while and just watching life yeah. go by. Give it a hug. I don't know about you, but yeah, when, I, when I'm hiking, I like <laughs> when I'm hiking, um, I always touch the plants and the, <laughs> the leaves and, I do. and even I the rocks. I'm like, oh, that's right. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Oh, I feel like I'm right in nature now. Grounding. Oh, I, uh, I got in the habit while I was hiking because everywhere I went, there's like the little ferns that kind of, you know, and because uh, they start out like a little fist and then they unfurl. Yeah. Yeah. If they're standing there on the edge of the trail in their little fist form, I'd come back and give them a Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> little fist bump. I love it. That's perfect. <laughs> like I'm not a flower person everyone gets very excited about orchids on the big track and yeah. I'm like it's a flower but those are the ferns <laughs> <laughs> I love them well we went hiking a couple of weeks ago here up in the mountains just a, a, two days and I got up because I'm doing a run streak that's my stretch at the moment is to make sure I run every day so I had to run even though we were hiking so I'd taken my running shoes. I got up early in the morning as the sun has come up and went for a run on the trail, which was almost impossible to run on because it's not really a trail there. <laughs> anyway, oh, there's Look, lots you're of little... camps. <laughs> but I still did it. Uh, so anyway, they had little flowers and they were all closed. And then by the time we all went for the hike up the same place that I ran in the morning, they were all starting to open in the sun. And I was like, that is so cool. Because all, the... yeah, anyway. All of a sudden was, the sun comes out. And like the sun up. comes out and then they decide to open up. I just thought there's, I'm sure there's a thousand metaphors we could apply to that because it's, I, it's, so. I just, I love it. Anyway, 
that's my sharing of my little bit of nature. Um, can you think of a time in your runs where you have um, everything's flowed? So just yes. one particular time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I probably experienced moments of flow before I even knew what it was. Mm -hmm. And I just remember there have been multiple um, runs that I have been on and I've completely lost myself in my run. Like I've almost become completely detached from my own body. Yeah. And there are those moments where you're running and you know you're running, but you can't feel your legs. <laughs> That's the, that's the only thing I can put it down to. Like I've literally gone into my own head so far that I might I'm completely weightless. That's amazing. So yeah, and it I mean it doesn't always last terribly long. And sometimes it can. Sometimes it can be like an hour-long run mm -hmm. and you you know, you do a body I like to do body check-ins, yes. like to see yeah. where am I at, why how am I Talk feeling? Mm -hmm. And I, I just like have a I have a literally scan down my body and go, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> Oops, <laughs> I left Oops. my line. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, you get to a point in your run and you're like, going, oh, am I here already? <laughs> so, yeah, no, yeah, definitely autopilot. That tends to happen more when I'm road running, not so much when I'm trail running, because trail running, you do have to watch where you're going. But, yeah, they, it, it, it's been a rare thing, but that's always the thing that I know. Uh, I know I'm a runner again, and I know that's a stupid thing to, say, thing to say. When I have at least momentary passing, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> I love that. Because yeah. I often ask, as I said before, um, do you call yourself a runner? And then that leads on to your identity thing. So you just said a runner again. So you've obviously, that's a different answer to what people have ever said to me on the podcast yeah. <laughs> um yeah I guess I guess I do I felt like if you asked me like what do you do I'm like oh yeah I'm a physio and I'm a runner you know so it is attached to my personality quite a lot I, I identify that, that as being part of who I am as a person even though I might not always be running um, and it's certainly been through a period where I haven't actually run at all for like about three months. And, you know, I went for a run last night and it's probably the first run by myself in, literally in three months. And it was awesome. I mean, it sucked. Oh. It was hard, but, you know, but it was but just it was so nice to know that I still could. <laughs> do, you, do you listen to things when you're running? Like no, I no, I, I never really got in the habit of listening to music or a podcast. Mm. Um I'll, I don't even hike with music. I don't even hike with podcasts either. I like, like I said, I like, I like being present in mm. what it is I'm doing and I find it just distracts me too much. Yeah. So right, right from the get go, I kind of got into the habit of listening to my body. Mm -hmm. And if I can't hear my breath, I can't judge what pace I'm going at. And okay. I always tend to overdo it if I'm listening to music. So if I'm going for an easier and moderately paced run, then I need to be able to hear myself. Wow. Because some people yeah. will say, I listen to stuff because I don't want to hear my breath. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. I want to hear it all. <laughs> That's interesting. That's yeah. fascinating. Oh. Um, how long do you think you'll run for? Me? Yeah. Oh, fuck, I hope I die running. Um <laughs> Excuse me. Fair enough. 
No, I, I don't think it's something that, you know, especially if you call yourself a runner, I don't think that there's a limitation on when that needs to end. I think mm-hmm. it's more a case of as long as my body will let me. Yeah. And one of the reasons, you know, I preach about lifting heavy stuff is about longevity in what it is that yeah. you do and what you how you identify yourself. So if you want to be a runner into your 80s or 90s or literally until the day you die, then I do everything I can to make sure that I get there or do that or can do that. So, yeah. The reason I would want to be a runner and do want to be a runner forever is that when I, that then means that I can, cause I've always said, I'm going to live to a hundred and get a letter from the queen who doesn't exist. She's not alive anymore, but anyway, <laughs> um, that's what I always right, said. King Charlie. <laughs> I was a kid, but that doesn't work. It was always going to be a letter from the queen. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's irrelevant. Um, in order to do that, I don't want to live to 100 and be in a wheelchair and not be yeah. physically able to do everything that I do now within reason. But yeah. I want to be able to come up, walk up and down stairs easily I don't, without getting out of breath. I want to be able to get the groceries out of the car and, and just be able to fit in and feel as vital. Maybe that's the word. I want to be a vital 100, 100, yeah. whatever. I agree. I agree. So I've always been of that mindset too, where I want to age well. You know, mm. you, you see so much uh, in today's, you know aging population particularly particularly the boomers because they're just aging sick you know Mm -hmm. so they're a massive cost to our medical um system just because of their comorbidities you know with Mm -hmm. diabetes and heart disease and strokes and and so many of these things are lifestyle related so if you can mitigate that just just by staying as active as you can for as long as you can Mm -hmm. you know and eat healthy and not drink too much <laughs> then Moderation. It, it's why wouldn't you you know i'd rather rather be a functional 80 90 100 year olds mm. than bed bound and dependent on others yeah. i mean i couldn't think of a worse way to be and to me that's just that's no probably the layer on that of mental health is also what i would add these days as well like, yeah for sure for sure and the older people be- are far more susceptible to mm. depression and mental exactly. health exactly yeah uh, because and it's not just because of their aging bodies but also their social isolation as well Mm -hmm. so i mean running is just another way to stay socially involved by staying Mm -hmm. as fit as you can for as long as you can then it gives you that capacity to be out and integrate into your community and be a part of your community you know and that in itself helps mitigate mental health yeah a a lot of people on the podcast talk about they've started running for physical reasons they wanted to lose weight or whatever but they stay running because of the people that they met absolutely and i think that that is absolutely been my experience as well like um like i said i started running with the marathon club and you know the beautiful friends that i met through that are who encouraged me to keep going and to keep Mm. striving to do further and further distances um you know and they're perfectly normal average you know people and they're running already running marathons and i'm like i'm well if they can do it why can't i do it so i do it <laughs> so you did i love it yeah you know and it it's got to the point where like my friend and i both ended up becoming race directors for the perth half marathon just because we wanted to give back to that side of the community and then along comes shane or sean kessler with his ultra series and then i just started volunteering at his races and now we're really good friends and you know his that community is my family as well so yeah yeah, it's been it's been a crazy ride but i wouldn't i wouldn't substitute that for anything yeah so what do you 
what do you think your life would be missing? It sounds silly. I always ask this at the end of the the podcast, but I'm really fascinated by it. What do you think your life would be missing if you hadn't started running? What would I you... don't I don't think I would be a I don't I definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing right now because I mm. don't think I would have ever have developed that self-efficacy to mm. and have that resilience to actually take on the intensity of study that I needed to be able to do and to be able to overcome the things that I have um, if I hadn't started running. And I certainly wouldn't have learned the value of volunteering and of giving my time um, and how rewarding that can be. And then the community that comes with it. Mm-hmm. So there, there's, a, there's a lot to be said for committing to something contributing to something you know that old um act belong commit you know thing that community involvement thing that was rolling around for years there's a lot to that there really is and I think that has contributed significantly to who I am as a person now and um to my quality of life um because I'm not really sure I would have gotten through the last 12 months as well as I have had I not had my community around me so yeah. it's it's been, yeah. it's been huge for me mm. personally love it yeah yeah um is there anything about running we haven't touched on that you would like to bring up <sighs> um I see people all the time saying I'm not a runner mm. I could never do that mm. and it makes my heart cry because if you go down to any event you will see people who look like you doing the things that you just said you can't do yeah all you need is a starting point and if you don't know where to start find somebody who can teach you Mm -hmm. so there's nothing wrong with finding a running coach there's nothing wrong with finding a running club just Mm -hmm. get started it is literally one foot in front of the other Mm -hmm. start slow and as a friend of mine once told me, she said, Susan, if you can run for half an hour, you can do anything. <laughs> and I took that advice to heart <laughs> and then ran, went and ran a marathon. <laughs> Look at you. And then a bit more. <laughs> and then a bit more. <laughs> and then I just kept going. <laughs> it's, I like the fact that there's really no end. There's no end. There's no limitation. You know, yeah. you get to decide where your limits are. And if you haven't found what they are yet, keep going. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of exciting if you don't. I like the journey as well. I think yeah. that falling yeah. in love with that journey and knowing that there is no destination, it's a kind of a funny thing because we've always been built around, you know, yeah. destinations and getting there. But the reality is yeah. if you can figure out that the journey is actually the is the fun bit and that the yeah. destination is actually when you get there, that's not the destination. <laughs> it's another one coming. Uh, There's another one, another one. I think that's one of those. One of my core principles as a coach as well um, is trying to get that across to people that the thing that changes you is the training. It's not the race. Mm. The race is just the cherry on top. Yeah. But the journey is your training. The journey is the thing that teaches you about yourself. It teaches you about commitment, about dedication, and about working for something. And you don't get that cherry on top unless you work for it. Yeah. And so you true. learn more about yourself in that process than you ever will throughout the course of the race. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love it. All right. I have used up a lot of your time. Before we go, though, and okay. we could talk for another 
few hours, but we won't um, because it's not fair on other people. Um, <laughs> and then I'll have to cut the podcast off into three. Um, <laughs> um, before we go, though, can you give me some tips for beginner runners? If someone comes up to you and they're a complete beginner, I know you sort of touched on it a minute ago, but yeah. what would you say to someone who wanted to start running? Where would you point them? Um, running doesn't mean running all the time. <laughs> <laughs> start with a run walk strategy and yep. you'll get there much quicker than you think you will yeah yeah that's true I, I've had you know Australia some of Australia's best runners and trail runners on here and they all talk about how they walk as well and people yeah, are like what? absolutely walking <laughs> is an important part of running <laughs> exactly. it's crazy all right don't jump off because I'll say goodbye to you off the recording as well but I just wanted to express my gratitude for the time that you've shared sharing some of your journey which has been very inspirational to me and I'm sure it will be to others as well it's been a delight to get to know you Susan thank you thanks so much for having me on (laughs) thank you for listening to the fit mind fit body podcast I'd love to talk to you about your running journey so send me a message on Facebook or on the website and let's do it For a bunch of resources on mindful running that will help you get and stay mentally and physically fit, head over to the website fitmindfitbody.co and I'll see you there. Plus, I'll be back here in your podcast player a few times a week. Hit subscribe now so that you don't miss an episode. And before you go, I'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review. It'll help more people to find the podcast and get inspired to start running. I'll see you soon. Bye.